0: Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. Let's turn our Bibles right now and take a look at 1 Peter 2.9. We started off with this launch several weeks ago with this passage of Scripture and discussing who I am, who we are. And we talked about how we've got to know who we are to know why we are. (laughs) We've got to know who we are so that we understand our purpose. What is our purpose in life? A lot of times we run around going, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What does God want me to do? What kind of job am I supposed to have? Do, 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 do. And uh, and we discovered that through the scriptures that it really begins with who I am first. We've got to know who we are to know what we are called to do. And so right here, 1 Peter 2.9, let's read it. It says, You are a chosen generation... "...a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light." And so we discovered who we are. We're chosen. We're unique. God created us in, in a special way. There's no one like you. The, the person sitting next to you is not like you. They'll never be like you. They're, you're unique. Um, and there's not a single person on the face of this earth that, that's like you and that's created the way that you were created. God designed you with a purpose in mind. And that purpose we see in this passage is to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness. Over the last couple of weeks, um, Ben has been speaking to us about how we proclaim God, how we can proclaim him through our works, we also proclaim him through our worship. And as I was thinking about that, I thought and I pictured in my mind a garden. And growing up, I grew up in a small town. And uh, my parents, my grandparents, we all had gardens. And so I had many, many weekends, you know, many summers where I spent helping out with the garden and going into the garden and getting it ready and preparing it for the seed to be planted so that we could go out there and one day pull off those husks of corn and just have an amazing... I love corn on the cob. I don't know about you, but it's just oh, so good. And pull up those potatoes. We've got a whole sack of potatoes in our house right now that we took out of grandma's garden. When we were up on vacation, we brought it back down with us. And, and I remember going into the garden with my grandfather and with my brother and, and even cousins at times. And there are things that we would need to do before we could plant the seeds. And uh, you, you'd first have to go and find that, that piece of land, and you'd have to go through and walk through the whole entire thing and just remove all the rocks. You had to get rid of all the hard places, all those hard rocks. You had to get, remove the, the twigs and the things that were in the way, those hard things, and, and get them out of the way. And we just, you know, my brother and I, you know, they would be all neat about it, but we'd just like huck them, you know, wherever, you know. But we'd, we'd get those rocks out of the way. But then the next thing that had to happen is my grandfather would pull out his big rototiller, and it was big, loud, just, oh, you know. I always wanted to do it. I don't think I ever did, but he, he, was, he, was, he was the one that took control over that. And So he'd get the rototiller out, and he'd, he'd rototill up the soil. And what that was doing, it was, it was breaking up the soil, preparing it, softening it, and preparing it, so that then, once we've gotten those rocks removed, the twigs removed, the branches removed, and all of those weeds and different things, and we rototilled up that soil and prepared it and, and broke up that soil, then we could go in right. with that seed and plant it. And as Ben talked over the last couple of weeks, that we proclaim him through our works and we proclaim him through our worship, and today we're going to talk about how we proclaim him through our word. I believe that. The, the way and the sequence in which that series has gone has been very purposeful. Much like that garden, we've, we, we go in and, and through our good works that we do, people look at our lives and it begins to soften those hard places in their hearts. And then they see the way that we worship. They see that we love God. They see that we go to church. They see that we read our Bibles. They see that we give our time and we're generous people. And they see that worship and it's like it's like starting to open their heart. And then we come in today, and we take that seed, and we plant it in. And and, and it's prepared. The Bible says in Acts 16 that there was a woman called Lydia. And it says that Lydia was a worshiper of God, and her heart was open to receive the word. And that's saying that through worship, our heart becomes softened and opened up to receive the word. And so through our good works and through our worship... People see that and it opens their heart, softens their heart, prepares their heart to receive that word of God that we're going to begin to proclaim to them and speak to them. So let's take a look at some scriptures, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to get right into it. Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. All right. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But you must do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak evil against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Let's look at another scripture. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And we're going to go to 1 John 1. 1 John 1, and starting right there in verse 1, says, The one who existed from the beginning is the one we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is Jesus Christ, the word of life. This is the one who is life from God, who uh, who God was shown to us, and we believe we have seen him. Hallelujah. This one who is life from God was shown to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and announce, that word announce, announce to you, that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was shown to us. We are telling you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that your word brings life, God. Uh, we love your word, and we, we thank you for an opportunity to come into this place together and have fellowship with one another, to celebrate you together, and to hear from your word. And We just ask that you'd speak to each one of us today, and, and God, you would um, do a great work in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, when I was in high school, um, Uh, I'll never forget this one individual. Um, I played basketball with her, volleyball with her, and then she was also on the um, track team. We were in the same grade, same year. And so uh, living in a small town, pretty much grew up together. And, you know, I had interactions with one another in middle school and high school. And all throughout school, I remember watching her. And I watched her so closely because there was just something about her that was just so different from everyone else. I would watch her and I saw the way that she was so respectful to the teachers, respectful to her parents. I saw the way that she treated guys. And I saw the way that she treated her friends. I saw the way that, man, when she was on the basketball court or on the volleyball court or anywhere else or doing her studies, she gave everything. Like she gave her all every single time. And I just remember watching and just thinking, man, she's a really good person. She's a really good person. But can I tell you that there was never a time where she proclaimed anything to me? She I knew that she went to church. I knew that she did good works and she helped other people and, and she did all these things. But there was never a point when she began to open her mouth and begin to proclaim Jesus to me and begin to tell me that the reason why I act this way. The reason why I am this way is because of Jesus Christ in my life. There was never that proclaiming. And when we look at the scriptures and we look at 1 Peter 2.9 in particular, we see that word proclaim. And when we study it out, it says to cry out, to declare publicly, proudly in either speech or writing, to announce. We see that announce again later on um, in, in 1 John. But there was no proclaiming happening. There was no speaking and, and telling whether in writing or in, in speech. And, um, and so we've we, we got to understand that, man, people are watching us. People are looking at our lives and they're seeing the good works. They're seeing all those things. And I believe that our good works and, and our worship pave the way for our words. And so we've got to have the words. We've got to begin to speak the words to people so that they know the why in, in our lives. We've got to have all of those things active in our lives. So today we're going to look at proclaiming him with our words. And first thing is we see here in 1 Peter 3 is that we've got to be ready to explain. We have to be ready to explain. It says right there in the passage that, man, people are going to to see our life. We're going to worship God. They're going to see us worshiping God. and, And they're going to want to know about that hope, that Christian hope that's inside of us. So we first and foremost have to be ready to explain it to them. We have to be ready to explain the why behind all of the things that they see in our lives. I, you know, I, I would look at it, at her and I would see, man, this joy. I would see, man, every single time I saw her, whether it was on the basketball court and we're sweating like crazy, running, you know, sweating like we are right now, uh, running up and down doing lines because the coach was mad at us. She had a smile on her face. What's wrong with you? You know, why are you smiling? Like, we're, you know, this is not cool, you know? But she always had a smile on her face in every circumstance that she was in. And, and people look at you, and people look at I, and, and they want to know why. They want to know why. And so we've got to be ready to explain the why. We've got to be ready to explain it and explain why. People, people look at us, and, and, and they wonder, why do you have peace in the midst of all the turmoil that you're going through in your life? They may look at your life and, and look at it from the outside and go, man, it looks like a wreck. You're going through stuff. <laughs> and, and, and they see that peace. And they want to know the why. They, they want to know that why. And, you know, when, when I was... Uh, when Ben and I first got married, it was his birthday. His birthday came up. It was probably a year or so, year and a half after we had been married. And, uh, and I wanted to be the good little wife. And I wanted to make him a cake. And I wanted to have his family over and, you know, have this birthday, and I wanted to cook dinner. And so I'm like, okay, I'm ready. This is going to be like my first chance to impress everyone how good little wife I am, you know. And so I'm all excited, and and I, I prepared for two days, made chicken tetrazzini from scratch. It was amazing. And I haven't made it since. (laughs) I made it once, but I cheated. I didn't take the two days to go through the whole process. But I made this chicken tetrazzini. And then the the day of his birthday, a few hours before everyone was going to arrive, I I decided I'm going to make mayonnaise cake. And when Ben and I got married, his mom um, gave gave me uh, a gift. And that gift was a recipe book. And inside the recipe book were all the dishes, all of Ben's favorite dishes from when he was growing up. And ladies, when you get married, that is an awesome gift, and I definitely recommend that you know, if she doesn't slip one to you, you know, all stealth-like, that you go and ask behind, you know, behind the husband's back and just say, hey, can you just pass on those recipes? Because there's nothing better than coming home, and he comes home, and you've got, like, this meal that he remembers from when he was a kid, all cooked up and prepared, that's like, that's really special. So I pull out this recipe book, and I decide I'm going to make mayonnaise cake. And if you've never had mayonnaise cake before, it, don't freak out. It's actually really good. Um, and so I'm all excited, and I'm going to make this mayonnaise cake. It's a few hours before, and so I was getting ready, and I was going to make it in such a way that it was going to be a little bit warm still when everybody arrived, and so it was going to be fresh. And so I'm making this mayonnaise cake from scratch, and I'm putting all the ingredients in there. And I'm, I'm dropping the ingredients in there. I'm mixing it up, and I'm pouring it together. And I'm getting all ready, and I put it in the pan, and I drop it in the oven. And I'm just waiting, I'm all excited, and Ben's like, what are you making? You know, he's all excited, like, what's, what's cooking in there? And I, you know, the buzzer goes off, and I am just so excited. I'm so excited, I'm like, this is it. This is, is going to be the best, best birthday he's ever had. And I'm going to press everyone with my cooking and baking abilities. And I open the oven, and there's a little cake about that big. No joke, it was that big. It was... Flat. And sad. Very sad. Certainly not the results that I was looking for. Totally embarrassed. Wondering what happened. And his, you know, there's nothing you can do. Can't really run to the store. Everybody's arriving in the next, you know, few minutes. So his mom arrives and kind of looks at it like, hmm. Everybody's kind of, hmm, what happened? And I'm like, I followed the recipe. You know, I'm not a baker, but I can follow a recipe. And I'm like, I followed the recipe. I know. And I'm like checking off every ingredient, and going, I put every, every single ingredient in there. I know I did. I know I did. And then Ben's mom opens the fridge and she looks inside there and she goes, Oh, I think I know what happened. <laughs> I used light mayonnaise. But you have to use real mayonnaise, like the real thing, the fat mayonnaise, right? you got to use the, the stuff that's got some substance in it so that you can get the results that you want, okay? Can I tell you something? I believe that some of us here tonight are like that mayonnaise cake, Come on. that, man, we're going around, we're explaining the hope. We're telling people about the hope, we're explaining the hope, but we're lo- opening the oven and looking and seeing something Come on. flat, the results aren't there. We're wondering what happened. Why am I seeing this just no results are coming. People aren't responding. And, and, and I believe it's because we've got the wrong ingredients or we're lacking in substance. We, it goes all the way back to the good works. It goes all the way back to the worship. When people look at us and they're hearing us explain the reason for the hope that's in us, are they also seeing the good works? Are they also seeing the way that we worship God? Are they also seeing the way that we're generous? Not just, not just when we're at church giving of our tithes and offerings, but are we generous outside of church? Are we giving to people? Are we loving? Are we communicating in such a way that people want to receive it? And so I, I want to challenge all of us tonight. If, we're, if we've been walking around looking at that flat mayonnaise cake, let's check Our ingredients, let's check and see if we've got the substance mixed in there. So that when people look and when they hear that explanation, man, they want it. They want to take it. They want to dig into that mayonnaise cake. They want to taste and see that God is good. And they want more and so much more that they want to share it with everybody that's around them. That, man, they take hold of that mayonnaise cake and they look at it and they're like, okay, that, those are some ingredients that I want in my life. Those are some things that I want to, to have displayed in me because I know that, man, if I've got that, then somebody else is going to want to eat my mayonnaise cake. And man, then they're going to want to share it with somebody else, and they're going to love mayonnaise cake, and and they're not going to reject those ingredients, but they're going to want them in their lives. Are you with me? We've got to check our ingredients. Make sure we've got the right substance inside of us. Make sure that we're explaining it, but not just explaining the reason for the hope, but we've got that substance behind it. Amen? The scripture says here in, in 1 John, as we look at 1 John, and we think about, we think about sharing and giving that explanation. Before we read that, I'm also reminded of of some other friends from high school. Thinking about that substance and thinking about those ingredients that they would come with the the Christian t-shirts on and they would tell me that you need to go to my church. You need Jesus. But then, I would go to the party. It's a little porcelain throne, you know. And it's not just me hovering over the little porcelain throne at the party, but it's the, you know, Christian t-shirt person, you know, hovering over with me. And I'm like, what you're saying isn't matching up with what you're doing. And so I I didn't want their mayonnaise cake. I think God. I think God wants to live in such a way that people want our mayonnaise cake. All right. First John one. Let's let's look at that again. First John one. So when we think about explaining, a lot of times we make it really complicated. When we when we think about sharing our faith and sharing our testimony or communicating the gospel to someone, we can it, we can just make it so complicated. I remember when I when I first came to God. I just there was just this. I don't know the Bible. How am I supposed to tell anybody anything? You know, I, I, just get, I get saved radically. God changes my life and delivers me from drugs and alcohol and, and say, spared me from, from attempting suicide. And it's like, I, I, I know that God is real. Like, I know that I need to share Him with people, but I don't know the Bible. Like, I, I've never read it before. How, you know, and, and I made it so complicated, I, I reasoned myself out of sharing my faith many times where I was like, you know, I don't have the five-point sermon, you know, to, to go to somebody and say, you know, here's all the points, okay, let's pray, you need Jesus. I didn't have all that, and I think, I think we complicate it all the time. We think about the, the person with the sandwich board saying turn or burn and the megaphone, and we're like, no, we don't want to proclaim Jesus, no, we don't want to share our faith. But it really is simple. And 1 John 1 shows us how, just how simple sharing the goodness of God is and can be. It's right here. It says, John is saying to the the people, he's saying, look, he's, he's saying, look, this Jesus that we're talking about, we've seen him, we've touched him, we've heard him, and it's what we've seen and what we've heard that we declare to you. So simple, isn't it? John just breaks it down for us. He says, it's what I've seen and what I've heard that I'm proclaiming to you, that I'm telling you. And I'm doing it. Why? Why does he say he's doing it? He's doing it so that you might have fellowship with us and with Christ, so that you might have fellowship with the Father. I'm telling you what I've seen and what I've heard. And so proclaiming the Lord with our words is simple. All we've got to do is tell people what we've seen and what we've heard. The Bible says in in Revelations, uh, chapter 12, verse 11, that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. By the word of our testimony. The word of your testimony is powerful. The word of your testimony. You don't have to know every scripture in the Bible. You don't have to know Genesis to Revelations. Okay, now, do we need to know some scriptures? Absolutely, and I guarantee you, you know some scriptures because that's how you got saved, so you take the ones that you know, you take the ones that brought you to Christ, and you simply share what you've seen in her, what he's done in your life. And, and a lot of times, I think we, when we think about sharing our testimony, we think simply about that one moment when we received Jesus, that, that how we received Jesus. But can I tell you, you have so many more testimonies of the goodness of God in your life. I mean, I, I can think of times and moments when God has provided miraculously for us. And man, I, I, so I have a testimony of God's provision. Man, when we, were, when we first moved down to San Diego back in 1999, and we, we heard the call of God to come to the city and just serve our pastors. And we weren't looking for a paycheck. We weren't looking to be on staff. We just heard God say, you need to go. And we're like, okay. And so we responded to that. And we're like, all right, we're going to go. And, and we came, and, and many people from... Um, back in Seattle, that we were in a relationship with, friends of ours that were our age said, "Man, we're going to support you guys. We don't think you should get jobs. Um, we, we think you need to give all your time to the church. That's what, why God's taking you down there." So they begin to support us, but there was one week. It was like on the fifth day of the month when rents due <laughs> it wasn't a good day in the morning. It wasn't a good day. And the fifth of the month, rents due. Look in the bank account. We're $500 short. And that's just $500 short just to pay rent. That's not, you're not going to be eating. You're going to be fasting for a few days, you know, until, you know, that next support check comes. And, and so we're just like, okay, first reaction is, call mom. Mom has money and mom will help, right? No, but we, we were like, you know what? Yeah, we could do that. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray and just believe God. Because you know what? God brought us here. And if God brought us here... Then God's going to provide for us. I don't know how, but you know what? I believe God's going to provide for us. And so we sat in, in our bedroom, on our bed, and we just prayed. And we're like, God, we need an answer. God, we need you to provide. God, we don't know how this is going to work out. We don't know where to scrounge up the money, but what, you know, we just know that you're a good God and you're a provider, and we believe that. We got a phone call about a couple hours later from somebody. Didn't know the situation that we were in, had no idea. We hadn't called anybody. Calls us up and says, Hey, you know what? God just spoke to me, and I have a check here for $500 for you. You can come by the office and pick it up whenever you want. Wow. Come on. I mean, talk about rejoicing. It was like flips in our house. I was doing like flips, cartwheels, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, praise, you know, the Christian pogo stick, you know, and we're worshiping God. You know, and I'm just so excited. I'm like, God, you answered. This is amazing. It's like those moments where it's like you read the Bible and you know it's true, but then it happened. It like really happened. <laughs> this is awesome. And so, you, you know what? You have testimonies just like that. And so when, when you're at work and, man, somebody's like, man, it, it's just not looking good. And I just got my pink slip. And you're sitting next to them in the desk. And you can look at them and you can go, you know what? You may have gotten this pink slip, but I know something. I, I know something that you don't know, and I know a God that's a provider, and I know that he's going to not just provide the finances you need, I know he's going to provide that job, and you can share that testimony of God's provision with them, and bring hope in a hopeless situation, and you're testifying, and you're proclaiming God in the midst of that, simply sharing what you've seen him do in your life, and what you've heard in the scriptures, is so powerful, just simply sharing what we've seen, what we've heard, you may, you, may be, you may be at home and, and you may you know, encounter a neighbor that lives by you and, and that neighbor looks distraught and that neighbor looks sad and, and you begin to ask what's going on and they might share about you know, someone in their family that just found out that they were diagnosed with cancer. You know, and I, I can look back and I can go, you know what, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and it was scary. And man, we didn't know what we were going to do. And she went through the chemo. She went through the radiation. but We prayed the whole time. And man, in the end, God healed her. God used every physician, every doctor, every bit of chemo, every bit of radiation. God healed her. And she's not, not suffering from that today. And you can bring hope to that person right. Right. that you encounter, to that neighbor, to that individual, by sharing that testimony. Yeah. Yeah. That testimony of God's goodness. That testimony of God's, God's grace. And the reason why we do it again is that they might come to a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. So they might come to have fellowship with us and with Christ. It's the reason why we share our faith, that they might come to know the goodness of God just as we have. When I, when I look through, through the Scriptures, you know, <clears throat> there's a passage of Scripture in John 6, verse 68. John 6, verse 68, and in that, in that portion of Scripture... Um, Jesus is, is with all of his disciples not just the twelve but we know that Jesus had many followers and he was with some of them and many of them were leaving they were departing some, they had seen some hard things they heard Jesus share some things that were a little bit difficult for them to receive and they heard that and, and so they begin to depart they begin to leave and Jesus decides to turn to his twelve and he turns to the twelve disciples and he looks at him and he says are you going to leave too? are you going to depart from me too? And Peter, I love Peter, Peter just made so many mistakes, but he just was so bold, and even in the midst of making those mistakes, man, he stepped out, and he steps out and he says, you know what, Jesus, where else do we go? Where else do we go? For we have come to find out that you have the words of eternal life. Where else, He says, where else do we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have those words of eternal life. And, and, and when we look at this passage in first, first Peter 3, it says that we're supposed to share our faith and explain our faith in a respectful way, in a gentle way, in a gentle and respectful way, sharing those words of eternal life. And how many of you know, man, we, we're, we're spending a lot of words every day? Man, there's a lot of words coming out of our mouth every day. I mean, you know, I, can't, I wonder how many I've been speaking already. Um... They say that studies have, have been done and they say that ladies, guess how many words we speak a day? 20,000 words a day. Isn't that awesome? It's so awesome. Guys, you on the other hand, you speak 7,000. Guys, give each other a high five. Big 7,000. Okay. <laughs> 7,000. And some of the men, I, I've seen it at restaurants or, you know, you go to a restaurant with some friends and you're with a group and the ladies get up to go to the bathroom, and they're like, why do ladies all have to go to the bathroom in groups? You know, that stereotypical, you know, they get... Well, it's because we have, like, 5,000 more words we need to use. And if we don't go to the bathroom together then they're just, they're gone. Like, we don't get to use them. And once the day's over, then, then, then they were just wasted. And so we have so many words, and we want to use all of them. And so we want to make sure that we hit all 20,000. And so we'll go in groups to the bathroom together, and you can just leave us alone, all right? And you guys can sit at the table together and just be quiet. And, um, you know, grunt at each other, and like, mmm, good meal, you know. Mm, that's good stuff. Um, but we, we use a lot of words every day. Grunt. We use a lot of words every day. Every day we're, we're talking, we're interacting with people, and we're using words, and the Bible actually cautions us in how we use our words. And, and it tells us that we're actually going to be judged for every word that we speak, every idle word. And we see in that, that scripture, John chapter 6, verse 68, that they said to Jesus, man, we're not going anywhere else because you have the words of eternal life. Can I tell you something, Jamie? You have the words of eternal life inside of you. Yeah. Man, yeah. you have the words of eternal life inside yeah. of you. Wow. The words of eternal life are in you. But are we speaking those words of eternal life? Wow. Or are we just see that person come into work and they're in a bad mood and we just, oh man, she's in a bad mood again. And I'm just so done with that. And, you know, we go over to the water cooler with uh, our other coworkers, and we're just going to complain about that person. Or are we going up to that person and bringing those words of eternal life and saying, you know what, you look down today, but God's good and He loves you. Are we, are we watching that person come into church that maybe doesn't look like we look? And are we stepping off to the side and talking about it? Or grumbling about it? Or are we saying, you know what, I'm going to be the first person to walk up and greet that person. I'm going to be the first one as they walk through that door and I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to give them a hug and I'm going to tell them, you know what, God loves you and He's so glad that you're here today. Are we using those words of eternal life that God has put on the inside of us? We, we have a great responsibility and that responsibility is to communicate and proclaim Him, the one who brought us out of darkness, into His marvelous light. And if we truly believe and we have truly experienced His goodness in our life, and and truly experienced, man, he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why wouldn't we want to share that with everyone? Why wouldn't we want to go to the mountains up on the the rooftops and and shout it and declare it to everyone that we come in contact with? I'll never forget uh, uh, before I knew Christ, and I was was 20 years old, and I had made a lot of really dumb mistakes. I, I had sinned, and I had done a lot of things that I was not proud of. I had gotten caught up in drugs and alcohol, I'd gotten pregnant and had an abortion, I, I had tried to commit suicide because I couldn't handle what I had done, and here I was, this, this girl that was just so messed up and hurting so bad, and yet somehow God, I, I got this job and it wasn't just, a, you know, I just thought it was a normal job. You know, I just figure it's a, it's a paycheck, right? I get this job and I'm, I'm the receptionist and, and it's an all-Australian company and it's ran by Australians. They came over from Australia and started this business in Bellevue, Wash, uh, Bellevue Washington and come to find out every single one of them are Christians. And, and here I am, this girl It's just so messed up. You could see it on the outside, not just on the inside. You see it just looking at me. And here they, they, they love me, and they, they just had so much joy, and I just saw the way that they interacted with me, and they didn't treat me differently than everyone else at the job place. They treated me the same, and they loved me. And then, and then I go home, and, and a friend from high school calls me, and she's a Christian, and, and she crashes with me for three months. Three weeks turned into three months. And God surrounded me with a Christian at my house. So here I go to work, I'm surrounded by Christians. I go home, I'm surrounded by a Christian. Then she's like, you need to meet these people. I'm like, what people? I don't want people. People mess me up, you know? I'm like, leave people out of here, you know? I don't, I don't need people, you know? That's how this whole thing happened, right? Got to take responsibility for my own actions there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No, 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 I don't want to go hang out with your people you know, who are these people, your peeps, you know, and finally she's like done with me saying, no, I don't want to go out with you guys, and she brings them over, they come in, and I get to know them, and I start hanging out with all of them, I'm like, man, what is it with these people, and at work, at home, and then these individuals that I'm hanging out with, we're going to movies together, we're we're hanging out and celebrating birthdays together, and, and I'm seeing the way that they're acting, I'm seeing the way that they're treating each other. I'm hearing the things that they're talking about. They're talking about church. They're talking about God. They're talking about what God's done in their families. And there was just something so genuine and so real about these individuals. And there was so much joy that it, at moments, honestly made me sick and annoyed me. I'm not going to lie. It frustrated me. Because I'm like, what is with that? Like, why? You know what I mean? Why? I wanted an explanation for the good works and the the worship that I was seeing in their life. I wanted to know what the deal was. So they called me up and they said, you know what, Katie, we're going to go to church and I think you should come with us. You know, I put my pack of cigarettes down and I'm like, I don't think I should go there. (laughs) Like, I really don't think that that's where I belong. And I'm like, no, 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 probably not. And I said no the first time. But you know what? That didn't stop them. Because they were motivated by a love A love for somebody that they saw was hopeless. A love for somebody that they saw was just hurting. And they said, you know what, we're not going to stop there. And I got a phone call the next Saturday. I thought for sure it was over. Like they were never going to invite me to church again. And I thought it was over, so I was so frustrated because I really didn't want to check it out. Like I wanted the explanation. I wanted the why. And if these people went to church all the time, that must be why, right? So I'm going to go with them. So they called me up on Saturday. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And so I I didn't give my roommate an option. I said, okay, we're going to church, their church on Sunday morning. And I'll never forget when I walked into that church. It's just like when we walk into Urban here and you see people and they've got smiles on their faces. They shake your hand. They ask you how you're doing. They tell you that they're glad you're here. And then then worship started and, and the band started playing and the words went up on the screen and people start clapping their hands. And I'm like, what is going on? This is awesome. And I'm standing there and I just, I'm like, Okay all right, this is cool. This is church, you know? I'm clapping my hands and I start singing the songs and I am overwhelmed by what I felt at that moment. I felt something. It wasn't just what I saw, but there was something about that place and it was like, this is, this is the place that has the answers that I've been looking for for the last 20 years. The answers I was looking for in the drugs, the answers I was looking for in the alcohol, the answers I was looking for in that relationship, the answers I was looking for by committing suicide. This place has the right answers and the answers that I need. And there was no salvation call that day, otherwise I guarantee you I would have like ran to the front because I knew that whatever they had and whatever they were offering, I heard what they were preaching about and I needed it. And it didn't happen. A couple of weeks went by and I was at church and then we found ourselves um, house sitting there was just one person at the house sitting, but we all kind of, you know, house sat together, you know, party at the house sitting house, you know. And so we're all hanging out and we're just, we're just hanging out and we start talking about God. We start talking about church and we're talking about how great worship was. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I pipe in, you know. I'm like, worship was so cool, you know, it was awesome. And, and one of my friends turns to me and goes, well, but Katie, have you ever asked Jesus into your life? And in a moment, I started bawling. Tears running down my face. I started crying so hard. I'm like, man, I've wanted to. I've been watching you guys. You know, I've been hearing like I wanted to, but I just honestly I just don't know how. And I'm crying like a baby. I'm like, I don't know how. It's like, come on in, Jesus. You know how? How do I how do I invite Jesus in my life? Like it doesn't make sense. I didn't grow up in the church. I'm one messed up girl. Like, how do I invite him? Is he really gonna want to come? And, and it was Ben. Ben was that friend over 12 years ago that, probably 14 years ago, that sat down and was like, whoa, you know, okay, this girl's crying and she wants Jesus. All right, you know. And he's like, okay, well, the, all right. You know, I just remember the look on his face. He's like, okay. You know? He's like, okay, this is what we do. You know, you just close your eyes and you just pray this prayer. And when you pray that prayer, man, he's there, you know, he's in your life. And I was just like, really? I was like, okay. And I closed my eyes and I prayed that prayer and man, after I said amen, it was like this this joy came into my life that I had never known before. I just started laughing. I was like, man, this is it. Like, this is what I was looking for. Months and months went by. Where I would be at church and, and God would just be doing a work in my heart and in my life and just healing me. Healing those broken places and and healing those those wounds that had been inflicted to me. And and doing that work in my life and, and man, when, when, I, when I come to realize how good God was and that he really did love me and he truly did forgive me and he truly did take all of those things and separate them from me to where he didn't see that Katie anymore, but he, he saw a different person and when I realized that that was my new beginning, man, I, I wanted to tell everybody about it. I wanted everyone to know what I had experienced. I wanted everyone to know that love that I had, known, that I had come to know. I wanted everyone to experience that, um, that joy that was in my heart and in my life. I wanted everyone to experience that. And I remember finding myself in moments, um, uh, I, I didn't know much of the Bible, but I, I would be working and I would go and I would be downtown Bellevue and I'd go to the park and I'd sit on the park bench and I'd have my big Bible because I got the big Bible, you know. I'm saved. I got to figure this thing out. I got the big study Bible, you know, so I can read all the notes and figure out what in the world are they talking about, you know. I don't get this. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm reading my Bible and and I, just, I saw this person sitting on the, the park bench. And I had only been saved probably a few weeks, maybe maybe months, I don't remember. And I'm sitting on the park bench and I look over and there's this person sitting there. She looked sad and she looked upset. And I thought, well, <laughs> I know what that's like, but I also know what this is like. Man, God challenged me in that moment. I felt like God was saying, You need to go talk to her. I thought, God, I don't know anything. Like, oh God, I don't know a thing. Like, I only know these few scriptures right here in John, because that's the, the first book I was told to read, you know? That's, that's all I know. And, and God just said, Go speak to her. And how many of you know in those moments the devil's not telling you to go talk to somebody about Jesus? And, so I'm like, Okay. And so I went and sat on that bench, and I, I'm like, What is. You know, I don't know how she's going to respond and I begin to sit next to her and I open my Bible and I begin to tell her about Jesus. And as we've been doing this series, I had to ask myself, when was the last time I did that? When was the last time that I saw somebody, just maybe somebody I didn't even know, maybe it was someone I did know, and I heard God say, go tell them the good news. Tell them why you have a smile on your face. Tell them why you have that hope in the midst of the news that you just got. And I, I challenge you today, just take a moment and begin to think, when was the last time you just stepped out and you said, you know what, I see what you're going through, and I realize that I'm the one that has the words of eternal life on the inside of me. I'm the one that, I, He's in my life, the kingdom of God is in me, and I have those words of eternal life. And Man, I, I I'm just gonna. I don't know what they're gonna say. I don't know how they're gonna respond. I don't know if they're gonna reject me. But you know what? I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go up there and I'm gonna tell them about Jesus. I'm gonna tell that coworker. I'm gonna pray for this person. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna love on that person. I'm gonna be generous with this person so that they can come to know the same Jesus that I've come to know that has healed me, that has saved me, that has washed my sins away. When was the last time that we stopped making those excuses of I don't have time. Man, I'm in the grocery store. I've got two kids. I can't tell her about Jesus. There's so many reasons and excuses that we come up with that maybe we're bloated, all right, And maybe we don't feel so good, but we walk past and we see that individual that's hurting, that needs Jesus. There's a man living right across the street from us, right across the street from our house. He's homeless and he's been living there every night. Every night I see him and he unloads his suitcase and he puts his mat down and I see the ring on his finger and I wonder what is his story? Why is he living on the street? Did his wife die? Did he lose his house? Did he go through a nasty divorce? Like what is the reason? And God's been challenging me and giving me a heart of compassion for him that I know, man, I gotta stop making excuses. I've got to stop making those excuses like we saw on that screen. And I've got to step out and I've got to communicate. I've got to proclaim by my works. I've got to proclaim by my worship. And I've got to proclaim with my words. Because there are people that are waiting just like I was waiting. There's somebody just like me that you encounter every single day. That man, all they're waiting for you is to say, do you know him? Let me introduce you. They just might not know how to pray. They just might not know how to ask Him to come into their life, but they're waiting for you, and they're waiting for me.